When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, college lacrosse fans? I have specifically been waiting for some lacrosse news to pop up, and we have that lacrosse news now here to do the 98th episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. Today, we have word that Michael Sowers has chosen his future destination, his transfer destination, uh, via the portal. Michael freaking Sowers of Princeton fame. He was a lock uh, so far this year for the Twarton, he has chosen his school and Hopkins. Johns Hopkins has chosen a new lax boss. So I wanted to discuss all of that as well. Before I do, as always, be sure to like and subscribe this video to help us grow. And uh, as always, you can go to laxfactor.com to get yourself swag, hats, t-shirts, mugs, all sorts of other stuff. And then you can watch all of our videos here. And then be sure to see a, a new um, instructional film review type videos that we've been putting out. We put four of them out so far, uh, dodging tips, offensive tips, and things of that sort. So you can go to laxfactor.com and view those there or just subscribe to our YouTube channel and they're all on here as well. Now, Sowers, Michael Sowers, the report uh, is that he's heading to Duke. He's going to be choosing Duke as his transfer destination. That is a huge pickup for the Blue Devils who were uh, you know, for Blue Devil standards, for Duke standards, they were struggling early in 2020. With that said, they were struggling, we say, but they were still six and two, and they probably would have figured things out offensively. Uh, their big problem was that they lost Robertson for the season early in the year. I think it was like February 3rd or thereabouts. It was announced that they lost Robertson for the season. Uh, and the in hindsight, with everything that's happened, the silver lining on the whole losing Robertson and everything like that ended up being some young guys got a chance to get some more burn. They got a chance to shine. The big one here, and this is going to be a guy that I think is going to gel really well with uh, Michael Sowers, is Roberts or, uh, Dyson Williams. Dyson Williams, he goes 24-4. and four. Kid is a goal-scoring threat. He can dodge, though. He can play off ball, and he can dodge and create on his own. So he's likely going to gel incredibly incredibly well with Sowers. And then I'm not sure what the other guys are doing, what Manown and Robertson and, and all the other uh, Montgomery, I'm not sure what, how it's all going to shake out for them, for any of the seniors that they had, um, it, whether or not they're going to come back. I, I'm not sure it's been announced for Duke, but regardless what we know, Duke every year has a roster full of high school All-Americans, potential, you know, kids with tons of potential just waiting to get their chance to play. Uh, this year was going to be that year for them. But either way, you take Mike Sowers, you plant him on this roster that's already filled full of just, you know, tons of players that have lots of talent. Uh, and that's all you need for Duke. I mean, it literally takes Duke. Duke, they have depth on offense. And what they lacked last year was a true big cat. And, you know, no, Robertson wasn't that big cat. Uh, Manown wasn't that big cat. They were lacking, like when Gutterding was playing, he was the best player on the field. Most of most of the games that they played, he was the best player on the field. You can make the argument that the only team that they played that had a better offensive player on the field, uh, you know, in terms of the opponents having one, was maybe Yale that year um, with Ben Reeves. 
But either way, you you take Sowers and you plant him on this team now, and now Duke with that solid roster, with a team that can play defense, they can get up and down the field. They now have the best player on the field, period. Best player in the field offensively, best player on the field when you even throw in the defensive side of the ball. No matter who they play, Duke has the best player in the field because they have the best player in the country, assuming this information is true, and that's going to be huge for them. That takes them. They were already a contender. They're a contender every year because if you make the tournament, then they can do damage um, because, you know, it, it, they're Duke. They're Duke, and they have talented players. They have an incredible coaching staff. And uh, now you just plant Mike Sowers on that team, and that team is now a contender. I, I want to see and wait to see how it all shakes out in terms of who stays, who goes, what happens with some other teams. But, I mean, regardless of how you look at this, I'd, I'd say this almost automatically makes Duke once again, if not the favorite, one of the top two, three teams. I mean, Syracuse, they, they're they returning pretty much everybody. So it's been announced to Syracuse that they're bringing back that entire, well, Trimboli is coming back, Dearth is coming back, um, Rafis is coming back. I mean, Syracuse has slowly but surely been rolling out, as we reported here first, that they're bringing back almost that entire senior class. They're losing Fernandez, Mellon, uh, Fernandez to transfer, Mellon to graduation. But other than that, and, and the thing that's going to hurt Syracuse is Mellon was that guy that would have matched up really well with Sowers. You can't stop Mike Sowers, but it's really hard to stop a Jeff Teat as well. And Mellon and, and Jeff Teat had done battle over the years. So the only player that I ever saw totally roach Mellon was um, uh, Pat Spencer. Other than that, Mellon has always been able to handle his own. So that will hurt Syracuse uh, trying to cover Sowers while he's at Duke, but it'll be interesting to see how that part of it plays out. But I, I think that, you know, you land Sowers, you now are among the favorites to win the ACC, if not the favorite, you are now a contender nationally because Duke was already going to be a top 20 team, possibly a top 10 team next year, possibly a top five team next year at some points, depending on how things shake out with their schedule and who they win, beat or lose too early. But now Sowers just solidifies that roster. And I mean, it's 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 crazy. The rich get richer. Uh, as they say. So uh, in between segments here now, I want to jump from talking about, and well, hold on, before I jump to that, uh, away from that, that means now the ACC, just in terms of star power, they bring Chase Scanlon in, uh, Syracuse does from from Loyola. So, I mean, Syracuse has that that first midfield line with a ton of star power. They get a lot of, a lot of uh, newsprint and the media loves them. Um, you have Chris Gray hitting UNC and his line mates and, and what what North Carolina has done offensively and what they were doing offensively in 2020 so far. That was incredible. You have Duke now with with Mike Sowers, the, the best player in the country. I mean, the ACC is just no question now the best conference in lacrosse. And, and, and what's this going to do? to the Ivy League, where the Ivy League, granted, the Ivy League does rinse and repeat and they reload every year, but what we're going to see this year is we're going to see a lot of those seniors from the Ivy League all transferring away, and so it's not like the Ivy League is losing their seniors and gaining their new guys and then their new, their other guns get to step up. They're losing their guys, and I mean, even like a Jackson Morrill, I believe, announced that he's going to um, enter the transfer portal. So the Ivy's losing their guys to other teams now. Like it's not like these guys are just graduating and they're done. These guys are now being moved from the Ivy League teams that they were on to Big Ten teams uh, to 
ACC teams. Uh, so largely, I think that the Ivy is going to end up, this is going to hurt the Ivy, I think, in their chances next year to, to put together a contender that uh, will really contend to win because I think that it's going to be the Maryland's, the Syracuse, the Duke, the UNC's, the the um, uh, maybe Penn State again, uh, depending on how uh, what you know what shakes down here. Because now Penn State, they they could be a legitimate destination for a couple of these legitimate, like really solid attack uh, transfers, midfield transfers. So I think it hurts the Ivy badly. Um, not allowing the red shirts. Uh, I don't think the Ivy cares for the most part. I know the coaches do. I know the players do. I don't think the Ivy uh, administrators do. So that's that. So it'll be interesting to see what what happens and uh, how that all shakes out. It'll be interesting to see if this is true. And if uh, he definitely is uh, going to attend Duke, it makes a hell of a lot of sense for sure that that is what he would do. So best of luck to Michael Sowers. One of my, I mean, he's just as a fan of the sport of lacrosse, one of my favorite players, college lacrosse wise of all time. And I really do hold him as one of my probably top five, uh, top five favorite players of all time. But I think he's legitimately uh, easily one of the top 10 college lacrosse players to ever play the game period. And I think that a lot of people just don't realize how good he really is because of, you know, just where he played two years, he was not playing on a content for a contender first three years. He wasn't playing for a, a legitimate contender and he was playing in a really tough conference. And that's going to Guys are going to look the other way and look at the guys that are playing for the contenders that are doing really well, not necessarily the guy that has dominated as you know since he stepped on camp- campus as a freshman and just played in a team that was just you know finishing a little bit above five hundred every year. This year was going to be the year it looked like that Princeton was going to make some noise. Um, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending. Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Other news, and before I get there, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you're notified when we put out more videos. Hopkins has decided on a new lacrosse boss. Milliman out of Cornell is going to get this gig here. He had the interim tag at Cornell. I believe it was 2018 he took over at Cornell after they had some crap go down. He goes 13-5 and five, uh, over his first season. They beat Syracuse in 2018 twice under Milliman. And then the second time they beat him that year was in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They lost to Yale in the regular season that year, but then turned around and behind a ridiculous defensive performance. And this wasn't a great defensive team that year, but in that Ivy League finals against Yale, they put forward they put forth a ridiculous defensive effort that we actually broke down in one of our film reviews in 2019, I think, early season. Uh, and, and they beat Yale, make it to the tournament, and then they lost in the quarterfinals. They beat Syracuse in the first round and then lost in the quarterfinals to Maryland. So the dude, as just the interim coach, uh, helped Cornell achieve great things. In 2019, including myself, everybody had Cornell picked to be one of the favorites, top five team, I believe, entering the, the beginning of the season. And then they ended up with just a ridiculously stacked Ivy League that year and ended up 10-5, and five, which is ridiculously respectable. 
Uh, but in that stacked Ivy, they lost to Yale in the Ivy League semis and no NCAA tournament for Cornell in 2019. A lot of people were mad about that, but it's just one of those deals with lacrosse uh, where we're probably going to end up seeing them have to expand the tournament ever so slightly simply because you're starting to see now for the first time teams that are getting left off that tournament roster and you're just like, oh, like you could always make the the, the the argument. There was years where like, let's say Rutgers a couple of years had gotten hosed. Um and you could have made the argument those years that ah, they were a good enough team to make the tournament. So it stunk that they got hosed, but you know, you weren't you weren't having non Rutgers people angry about it or upset about it. And now you're starting to see teams that are getting left off that roster every year where you're like, Oh, how nice would it have been to have that team in the tournament and competing in the postseason, especially with some of the players Cornell had last year. So boom, fast forward, 2020. People do not know what to expect. No one is picking Cornell to light the world on fire. I'll be I figured they were going to be a solid top 20 team. And in 2020, they finished the Corona season, 5-0. and Teat was sitting at 26 points. Piatelli, Donville, and Long all had 23, 20, and 19, respectively. Offensively, they were all over the place. They were winning face-offs. They were playing better team defense. They looked good in cage. So Milliman has done a great job since getting his first gig as a Division I coach. I think he was at Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer before uh, he was at Cornell. 28-10 and 10 over the 2.3 or so seasons uh, in one of the toughest conferences in college across. He goes 28 and 10 over that two and a half, not quite two and a half seasons at Cornell um, between being the interim coach, head coach for a full year, and then head coach for part of this year. Um, I don't think he was Hopkins first choice, most likely, but I think he was a very good choice. And I think in hindsight, he's a good fit. He's, he's now had to coach and recruit at an Ivy league school. He's dealing with the admissions there. So he's just dealing with a top notch academic uh, based school and he's going to be dealing with the same, a similar thing at Johns Hopkins. I think he's a good blue collar coach, and I think he's going to do a good job recruiting um, the the um, Hopkins uh, that that in that area. I think he'll do a good job recruiting in Baltimore. More importantly, beyond, I think a lot of people were complaining, saying that Hopkins recruiting had kind of waned, and they hadn't done as good of a job recruiting beyond their their geographic region. Um, because they were able to live off of that for so long. I'm not sure that that's actually true, but I know that's one of the things I've already seen the optimistic folks saying about Milliman is that he's going to be be able to do a better job recruiting abroad simply because his, you know he's had to. And oddly enough, uh, I remember Petro was at Cornell right before um, he got hired by Hopkins as well. So Petro, so this is the second time now uh, Hopkins has come in and stolen a Cornell coach that was doing well uh, and brought them uh, down to Baltimore. So that is also cool. I think he was a D3 All-American, I think I read. I forget where. Maybe it was Gettysburg, somewhere like that, uh, that he played. So again, probably not their first choice, but I bet you he was right up there on their list, and I bet you they are pleased now that they have him, I haven't had it even. It's the, the news is still so fresh. I haven't even had a chance actually to look at what the the Fanlax Hopkins board is doing. But uh, I bet you people are freaking out there. I know that uh, reception has been fairly warm in the college lacrosse group on Facebook. And actually, if you if you haven't done so already, if you're a Facebook type of person, there is a private college lacrosse discussion group i believe it's called college lacrosse discussion group uh it's private but pretty much if you apply you will get in and it is a great lacrosse group i think it's uh pushing ten thousand members strong they're trying to get to eleven thousand before the end of this year but by far one of the best lacrosse communities i've ever been a part of in terms of being able to just talk about lacrosse with a bunch of other people who 
are either diehard fans and really know the game, or at least they're diehard fans and maybe don't really know the game, but they are diehard fans and you can respect them for that. It is a, a great community. 